you're getting it right. Yeah. You're getting it right. Because think about it. Think about the things that have to happen before you go to train and the things that always happen afterward. Think about like what your mindset's like before, how your body feels after. Yeah. That's covering such an expanse. You're getting it right by default. Yeah. Okay, guys, Splendid Torch Podcast. I'm here with uh, Professor Pete. What's up, man? How are you, Professor Pete? I'm doing well. I, uh, I was up very late last night. I was, you? I was jazzed. I was as well. I really was. Like I said, I came home. I threw my pajama jamma jams on. And uh, immediately after I made the coffee for the morning, went right to the basement and started uh, doing a little Jordan P. B. Peterson. You did that when you got home last night? Yeah, I was up to about 11.30, quarter to 12. So a little background. We went to see uh, Jordan Peterson at the Met in Philly. So never in a million years did I think in my adult life that I would be excited to spend money to go to an amphitheater for a lecture and listen to a professor lecture. <laughs> but God damn. It was awesome. He was on point, man. So you guys hear us talk about Jordan Peterson all the time. If uh, you have no idea who he is, you've been living in under a rock, I'm sure. But uh, a little bit of background. So he originally was like a clinical psychologist, had a lot of a lot of experience, like actually working with with people in his practice. And then he went on to teach at Harvard. Well, he was at the University of Toronto too. He, uh, yeah, I mean, he's been all over. But yeah. at one point, he was at Harvard and he was teaching this class this course called Maps of Meaning, yeah. which is like how humans derive meaning in, in their lives and like. Um, the structure behind like religions and, and things like that. It was he he even admittedly says it was like a painful course. Yeah, he said. And, and that book that was the first hours, thirty eight hours, thirty eight hours. Yeah, it was like maybe thirty nine, and he and he whittled it down over the last like twenty years down to eight hours. So that's going to be painful too, I'm but sure. He was but was quick to put it will be out in September. <laughs> yeah, and I'll be all over it. But I as well. he um he also wrote a book called Maps of Meaning, which. You know, Chris Matakis, he he loves reading all this nonfiction. He's read all the different religious texts with glee in his heart and a gleam in his eye. Yeah. And then he stumbles across Maps of Meaning. He said it was the most arduous, taxing read he's ever undertaken in his entire life. That's impressive. And then you heard Jordan Pearson last night talking about writing it. He said he rewrote every single sentence what, in that book, times. which the book is like... It's like it's like an encyclopedia. Like yeah. you could kill somebody with a book. <laughs> he wrote he rewrote every sentence fifty times. That's he incredible. Just, he wanted to get every word right. But you could tell the way he was talking last night that that's what he does. That's Precision. his mind works that way. So he doesn't look at a word and just take it by the word, the meaning of the word. He goes deeper into the context and the different parts of what the meaning of the word is. Well, we'll get in we'll get into yeah. the actual presentation, but a little bit more about Jordan Pearson. He his claim to fame was when he was at the University of Toronto, I think. He uh you know, he did a lot of stuff like I was telling you off off air. Like he coming up he when you know, he's writing maps of meaning. He he's like an expert in um Alexander Solzhenitsyn's uh the the Gulag Ar Archipelago, which is a book about like um you know, the gulags yeah. and how awful humans can be. Yeah. It's like the darkest of the dark. And, uh, you know, he studied tons about like Nazi Germany and how psychologically, how did this happen? Yeah. And he referred to that last how night. How could I do this? Yeah. It's like, you know, that person must be evil. Oh, yeah. But then you start to look at the history and it's yeah. like, oh, those were normal people. Yeah. Who slowly but surely became evil and did these atrocious things. Um, anyway, you know, he's got this extensive background in all these things. And then uh, he's in Canada. He's in, you know, beautiful Canada. Maple syrup. In like 2015, 2016, in like a liberal college, which Toronto. is where wokeism was born. Yeah. And uh, when the government came out with compelled speech, that's when he spoke out. Yeah. And he, you know, over like gender pronouns. And his thing was never, I will not call you. Exactly. By your preferred, per preferred pronouns. He's like, I'm not a dick. But when the government can start mandating it and yeah. like there's there's actually like uh, penalties for not, you know, following compelled speech. Yeah. That's when it gets dangerous. That and was, he's like, guys, look, uh, I got a little bit of knowledge in yeah, this field. Yeah. So like we're going down this really bad yeah. path. And that kind of exploded him onto the scene. Yeah, huge. Was and, it Tim Ferriss? 
all over. And all then over. Rogan. Yeah, and, all yeah, over. You know, all over the news. And, and uh, of course, like, he gets unfairly, I think, and unjustly demonized because... I think, and I was going to touch on it, I think a lot of that is people look at the topic, but they don't hear him speak. Yeah, that's the problem. Yeah. That's yeah. the problem. They're hating. They're hating. I don't want to hear that. That's how can you say that? Yet you don't listen to what he's saying. And if you do listen to what he says and how he contextualizes everything, we like we were talking, he's Tony Stark when he's speaking. Yeah. He's he's doesn't see one he sees five dimensions in anything he says and how he puts everything together. The thought that goes in there. And he's not a hateful man. No, well, I he's love a, that. Such an educated guy. Everything so he says is so calculated. Like we're talking about how each word is so precise. Yeah, you're saying he's Tony Stark, and and he and talks a reason with his behind. hands. Yeah. So he's like moving things around in the air with his hands as he's speaking, and you realize he's somewhere else. Like he's, he's not really looking at you. He's he's moving around all these different ideas because, like, I can hold on to like maybe three layers of thought at once. He's beyond that. He's way beyond it, way beyond it. And he's he's like, you can't speak so simply, people. You can't speak in these black and white terms. Yes. It's not that simple. It's not black and white. You know, and when you do try to be that that uh, simplistic, you're doing it to to serve yourself mm -hmm. so you can be like holier than thou. Yes. And accusatory. Yeah. But it's, it's more nuanced. Truth, you know, there's truth, but reality is pretty nuanced. And he's coming from all these different places where he... He knows all the symbolism in the Bible, and he he he's a clinical psychologist, and he knows all the literature on psychology, and and like all the research, and yeah. it's at hand for him. Yeah, he's got like that that recall where it's like he doesn't have to come with a stack of papers to win an argument. No. He knows it like the back of his he's hand. He's got a big brain. It's pretty large. It 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 is. And it's funny because he's like, he's, I don't want to say he's frail, but he's a very thin. He is now. He he's lost now, a bunch yeah. of weight. Yeah. He, you know, he got sick for a while and yeah. now he's carnivore. Yeah, he's, he's on, on the carnivore, carnivore diet. diet. And he'll tell you he feels amazing from it. But that's a whole other conversation. But you see this, you see him standing up there and you go, oh, this guy definitely carries himself as a very educated man. Yeah. I mean, just from the three-piece suit to the, you know, you could see him walking into with the, uh, what do you call that, the uh, lion's tooth uh, or the whatever tooth jacket and coming in to talk to Harvard. But he carries himself that way. And then when he starts to talk, he doesn't, like, you could see, and if you're not there, he's standing on a stage um, and he's looking down. And I don't think he's looking at people all the time. Sometimes. He's looking into the depths of his mind. Sometimes you could see he yes. goes somewhere. Because he addresses people. Yeah. But he also is looking, like, he's the type of person that doesn't, he'll look at you. But he's looking beyond you. Well, he's seeing the matrix. Exactly. He's in the matrix, man. Yeah. You can see the zeros and ones pass it through him. He's really such a deep thinker. And he could, he, like, he took what is happy. And all of a sudden, you're so, like, holy crap. Let's, let's you know, because not everybody went last night. Yeah. So I got the thing here. For he goes on, Jordan Pearson, I guess you could say he, well, his original book was Maps of Meaning. Yes. It didn't really do much. It was inaccessible, undigestible for, for normal people. And he wasn't really famous at the time. And then all this craziness around him, he starts getting on podcasts. And, you know, when you demonize somebody, you want to make your buck off of him. So yeah. you invite him on your show and oh, they yeah. try to play gotcha. Debate him. You know, and they bring him on like, you know, BBC or, you know, uh, CBC, like the Canadian broadcast yeah. channel. And they try to play gotcha. Like yeah. they try to bring you on on camera to make you look like a misogynist and a, and a racist yeah. and a and a xenophobe and yeah. a transphobe and he's not. Yes. So when they try to play gotcha and he just fucking spins it on them and they're like, oh, uh, their uh. jaws left open. So he that catapults him higher. That catapults him higher and higher and higher in the echelons of popularity. And then he starts talking about adopting personal responsibility, and. And then, like all of his Harvard uh, lectures, they're all taped and they're free on his YouTube. Those start to explode, explode. Yeah. And uh, there's a huge demand for him because he's speaking to a generation, like we've said before, that, you know, what is our great war? What's our, like, great thing to overcome? And we're floundering. And he says you adopt personal responsibility. Like, like responsibility leads to meaning. He's just speaking to this generation and it's landing, right? Yes. So 
there I don't know if there still is a thing called is it 4chan? It used to be like Reddit. Kind of like Reddit. <laughs> that, that that's a whole nother conversation. Is it Reddit? I don't know. They have 8chan, 4chan. Okay, they anyway, he was, on, he, he was on one of these like uh, intellectual like Reddits, you'll call it. And somebody was like, what are some rules for life? And he wrote like 44 of them. And it landed, like it, it became like upvoted. I guess you could do that on these yes. like message board. Yeah. I don't, I'm not a message board kind of guy. <laughs> I don't know. You look So like that was the birth of 12 Rules for Life, which his book was like wildly successful wildly yeah. successful so popular and it it, it um led to his original tour and dude people selling out these huge um like theaters to yeah. watch this guy talk about these rules rules like adopting personal responsibility and standing up straight with your shoulders black back and cleaning your room and yeah and just like how to create some order in your life and it just landed on this this generation, and of course, with success comes all the craziness. Yeah. So people try to demonize them and whatnot. They wouldn't bring them down. So anyway, you know, and then he got sick for a while, and then uh, when he comes back, he writes the next book, the follow up, which is Beyond Order. So the the first one is, what do you do if your life is chaotic? You you and he uses the twelve rules to teach you how to form some some order in your life, which a yeah. lot of us need. Yes. And then the it's second one, self help book. Oh, dude, yeah. And then the second one is Beyond Order. It's kind of like how do you tear down the uh, tyrannical order in your life, like your bad habits and and, yes. and things like that. And how do you do it? Use chaos. And he says himself, like the second book is deeper, but it's better. So for this tour, what he does is he's got twelve rules. And before he goes on, he doesn't plan anything. He doesn't write notes. He he just literally a couple hours before he goes on stage, he'll yeah. decide what uh, rule he wants to talk about, and he'll just ponder it. Yeah, and he just comes out and organically unloads this ninety-minute lecture that's like wide-ranging. So uh, I mean, it's powerful and profound just the way he speaks. Well thought, but like just the different pieces he pulls in. So what you are, I know you're dying to get to it. So the rule was rule number four, which is if memory serves, it's notice opportunity lies lurks. lurks. He was very clear about lurks. Lurks was another, the way he dove into lurks. Can we finish this fucking rule first? I'm excited. God damn it, dude. Imagine if you were on this podcast by yourself. (laughs) I can only imagine. (laughs) Like get, let's get, let's get half of a thought out before we, you know, (laughs) It's rule four. It's it's a notice that opportunity lurks where responsibility has been abdicated. Very good. Which which the second he said that, I fucking perked up because yeah. there's a lot of rules and not all of them really speak to me. Like not all of them really uh, at this point in my life are very pertinent. Yes. But man, number four, I just it speaks volumes to me. Notice that opportunity lurks where responsibility has been abdicated. And what does that mean, abdicate? It means somebody doffed out on their responsibility. Yeah. And in a lot of ways, that's that's what we do here. Yeah. We fill that void where like for some reason modern society has 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 been has ill prepared you to deal with this bullshit mode of living. Yeah. Which is understandable. We we talked about that last time. Biologically, this is not what we were designed to do. (laughs) Yeah. And we have no great war. At least I fucking hope not. But it's not looking too good these days. Well, we don't have to worry about that. Yeah. We'll just say don't do that. Yeah, the Ukraine thing is crazy. Yes, it is. But uh, there's something missing. There's yeah. something missing. And you come here and you step on the mat and you have you have to take this personal responsibility. Absolutely. Yeah, dude. Because he talked about that too. Yeah, so let's get into it because I know you're dying to. So what he does is he'll look at the rule and he'll he'll recite it. And then he's so clear with his verbiage, and like you're dying to talk about is, it's not it's not responsible or uh, opportunity lies or exists where responsibility is abdicated. It lurks. Lurks. Why was he so clear to use lurks? Because lurk can be used in many different ways. Lurking could be, like he said, was it sharks like in the water? Sharks lurk. Sharks in the water. Sharks are lurking. Danger lurks. Yeah. Threat lurks, but there's also now no. But why is that? Like scary things lurk. Yeah. So why would an opportunity facing your fears? 
Yeah, because more often than not, opportunity and, and the things Lies that, beyond the fear. Yeah, you gotta lean into it. You gotta lean into the things that are so difficult, the things that don't feel good. Exactly, what we do here. It, it, it was like he said. He's like, all right, Pete, sit down. He's like, I got a lecture for you. <laughs> Everybody else just listen. That's exactly the way, when he started talking about it, and as soon as he comes out, I mean, everybody's standing. I mean, he got a standing ovations all night. Dude, he speaks to people. Like, everybody there, he makes a huge impact on all those people's lives. Even the freaking dumbass that, that was sitting in front of me that couldn't the guy keep that was his head straight. <laughs> I had a whiplash by the end, and I wanted to punch him in the head. Yeah, we're sitting behind these two guys. Um, <laughs> you they, had the unicorn. They were, Yeah, they looked like Armenian businessmen. <laughs> Pete's in front of a guy. They're both wearing these suits, which was fine. Yeah. You know, I was wearing like I was wearing like a blazer. I actually had a button up. The on. guy in front of you, yeah, you looked like a Hollister model. His <laughs> dad. Uh, the guy in front of you is tilting his head side to side like a metronome, like a windshield wiper. I'm like, what the fuck is he? Oh, he must have Tourette's or something. I don't know what the hell he's doing. And then the guy in front of me was was stationary. Thank God, his head was so shiny, <laughs> and the, sh- the and he was like pudgy. So the misshapen. They, if like what was distracting was the front of his skull yeah. had this huge like like cone shaped lump. Yeah. I'm like he's if he sneezes, he's going to sprout a fucking unicorn horn. <laughs> and it was distracting me and I would be like, "All right, Pete, just look at Jordan Pearson out of the corner of my eye, I just see this fucking horn glistening." Yes. It was very distracting. There was a couple times I'll say. And then I had to switch seats with Brando because the perfume guy. Yeah, dude, I sit down and we have pretty good seats. We're like dead center. And I sit down to this this guy, you know, I don't know if he was on a date with the other guy. I think he was, (laughs) but which is fine. But I want to be like, yo, that guy's not going to like you because you smell like a $3 hooker. Yeah. You went a little overboard. TJ Maxx had a sale on a gallon of perfume or cologne or whatever. Yeah, dude. It was brutal because we could smell it. I want to be like Dan Aykroyd and uh, Tommy Boy. He's like, oh, he's like, good. You've identified the problem. Step two is washing it off. (laughs) That's such a good but anyway, I couldn't sit next to the guy. Yeah, it was, and even when I moved away from him and you like smell put it. poor Brando next yeah. to him, every time we if somebody clapped, it would it like was jostle the air, and my eyes are like welling <laughs> up. Very distracting. I was literally. Anyway. I hate to say, and and we'll get right back to it. But I'm sitting there, and metronome head is going back and forth, and and I'm so intent on listening to what Jordan Peterson is saying. I'm, I'm I'm in person with the guy. I want to hear this guy. And the only thing going through my head is, if I hit him with an elbow in the back of the head really hard. <laughs> the only thing going through your head was tick, tock, tick, tick. I was tock. going this. And it, the worst part, it wasn't even in like, it made no sense. It was like no, it was, it two was taps, then four taps. And back. Anyways. And the, well, one of the things about seeing Jordan Pearson live is if you, I was blown away. We're, we're lucky that he was on fire. Because like I said, he doesn't plan these things. So yeah. they're not all going to be perfect. Transformative experiences. Yeah. Like Chris Matakis, he went last week in New York. And, and he said it was not very good in, in the sense that those huge meandering tangents, he was having trouble bringing it back for the crowd. But okay. you could tell like Jordan knows, but he's struggling to... There's so many layers. He, yeah. and, and at a certain point, you as the speaker, and imagine being the smartest man in the room. That's got to be tough. <laughs> yeah. You have to decide at some point to cut it off. It's like when we have new blue belts in here, yeah. especially from other schools who have never seen auxiliary guards. Like I've, I want to teach Delaheva off balance, over under guard, switch to reverse yep. X, elevate, get to the leg lace, and use that to come up on a knee slide guard pass. For so, most of you guys, it's like, yeah, yeah, no shit. Yeah. The, those five layers aren't that confusing because you know how how beautifully they're interwoven. Yep. But if we have these brand new blue belts from another school, is like I can only go two layers deep yeah. and I have to stop for fear of just completely overwhelming losing. You don't want to lose them. But dude, he was on point last night. Everything he said was digestible, digestible to everybody, even me. Yeah. So anyway, we're we're we ourselves are going down this crazy tangent. Yes. So back to the rule. And back to why it plays a role in our lives in jujitsu, he talks about that word lurks and that that opportunity often is on almost every almost every single time is on the other side of difficulty yeah. and challenge and, and and discomfort. My eyes perked up when he said that. I was like, he knew we were coming. Yeah, and then uh, he goes deep, deep, deep into like, oh, I just want to be happy. 
you know, and you hear people say, he's like, I have people say all the time, like, I just want to be happy. And he's like, I just want to be happy. Like, what does that even mean? Yeah. Like, you just want to be happy as if it's just some small thing. Yeah. Some easily attained feat. <laughs> Which it's one of the most difficult things in the world. And then yeah. let's unpack and this is a half hour that I'm I'm whittling down to thirty seconds. Let's unpack happy. What are you saying when you when you tell me I just want to be happy? That you just wanna like feel joy all the time? And then he you know, he's a psychologist. So he unpacks all those he's like when we say happy, we generally we're speaking about positive emotions. Yeah. Like uh excitement, like joy, and you know, it goes down the list. And then he's like but when you actually sit down with people and the literature says this, what they're really saying is, I don't want to have unnecessary misery. Exactly. I don't want to have an undue amount of unha un yeah. of discomfort. And then he goes through the, the, the negative emotions. So he unpacks that whole sentence. He does it like deep, deep. We're going layers, guys. I'm just, you know, these are you the You need a snorkel and mask. Yeah, but he does it beautifully. He brings us back. He keeps bringing us back. Yeah. And like he uses his hand. He's like, don't forget, like we're here and here's why. So when he says, I just want to be happy, really what you're saying is I don't want to be miserable, right? So then where does the opportunity come in? Exactly. Like what are we actually pursuing? Yeah. Right? Is it as simple as like I just don't want to be unhappy? Then he goes, sorry, dude, you could go ahead. No, no, go ahead. You're hitting, so you're nailing. He, I mean, so here's, I was thinking about this all night, dude. I, I'm sure. I was, it's so, yeah. it's such a timely thing because we just hit 500 students. Yeah. We just bought this building. Yeah. Before that, I did that event for uh, EFC. And yes. then before that, we hit 400. At, like, the point being, I hit all these goals that I set. I fought MMA. And one of the things when I fought was I thought... I thought when they wrote, would raise my hand that I would be somebody different. Yeah. But you're not. No. And and he talks about that and he said it so beautifully. I hope I don't butcher it, but he's like, you know, when, when Pete was fighting MMA. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's like, all right. And this is now a multimedia presentation. <laughs> Look at the screen. This is New Breed Fighters, Peter McHugh. No, dude, he, he said, uh, the act of, so, you know, you're, you're the, the feel-good chemicals, they reward you for the act of pursuing, of getting the goal. But but the, the feeling of, like, uh, satisfaction and having accomplished it, really all that is is the, is the indicator that that endeavor is over. Yes. That was brilliant. It's an empty fucking place. Yes. And, and I beat my, we all do, we all do. It's like, I got that, I got the house I wanted. Why do I feel so empty? Because it feels so good to pursue. And when the pursuit is over. What's next? There's nothing yeah. there. It's, it's satisfaction is an empty feeling. Dude, yes. every guy listening to this knows what I mean. <laughs> and let me be a little more clear. Yes, I'm talking sexually, but here's why. In our younger years, we've all, we've all been uh, motivated to do and say things to accomplish a certain goal yeah. in like, you know, a bar setting or a social setting, usually with a young female, right? Yeah. And you're all consumed by this thing. Yes. And then the moment it is over and like the quote unquote satisfaction has been achieved, it's, there's no more empty feeling. Yeah. Now I'm not saying this is the same thing, but that's a microcosm of this. Yes. And I, I've been talking with Chris about this and we, Matakis, and we laugh hard. Before we got the building, when it was a far-fetched idea, I'm like, dude, if I just get this building, I will have, I, it will be, I literally said these words, it will be the crowning achievement of my adult life. Yeah. Because, you know, I built this thing up in my head, like with the help of my uncle and John Coquino, it's like a school owner who owns the building, you've made it. Like you are, you're at like, at not Mount Rushmore of martial arts schools, but you're doing it. You're yeah. doing it. You, you're you're there. for real. You're for you're real. legit. You're Derek effing for real. <laughs> and uh, it's funny. I, we got the building and me and Chris go on a park walk and he's like, how do you feel? I was like, yeah, you know, the same. And yeah. he starts cracking up. And then we're at like 405 and I'm like, dude, if I just get to 500 right? and he starts <laughs> laughing <laughs> because, you know, you, you convince yourself that like it's, it's the goals that matter. But yeah. then Jordan Pearson's pointing out like, Satisfaction is not a good place to be. It's the pursuit of the, the pursuit goal. is where the happiness lies, and I, I like to and I could bring it back to jujitsu, and especially because you know there's a naga this weekend. The, all the preparation going into a competition, that's a lot of work. Yeah, 
after the competition, most times people have the hangover because you're kind of like, well, now what? Why now what am I doing Friday night? Why, what am I doing? Yeah. There, that's a thing. Well, it's also when you're in it, when you're in the actual training camp. You're one train of yeah, thought. Yeah, dude, man. you're in the grind. Yeah. And the, the grind, we, me and Chris used to talk this about it grind. way back in the day. There's there's comfort in the grind. Yes. Which is a weird thing because it's the most uncomfortable part of your life. Yes. How could there be comfort in this terrible endeavor? Yeah. Excuse me, I just burped up some of my shake. It was better the first time. <laughs> But uh, we're, you know, and this is us in a in a MMA fight camp, yeah. And we're amateurs surrounded by UFC fighters, so it's a very unpleasant experience. Yeah, we're getting sure. our faces punched in, yeah. our livers kicked in, we're getting slammed on our head, you know. But I love it. And you're sore as shit all day, every day. You're tired all the time. You're scared. You're like mildly scared all the time, increasingly so as the as the date approaches. By all metrics, it's a terrible thing. But there's comfort in it. It's like. I think there's just comfort in being locked in. Yes, 100%. It's like Einstein wore the same clothes every day. So they're like to avoid the uh, the burden of choice. Yeah. And when you're in the, in the fucking grind, there's no choice. You're in it. You're doing it. And your body rewards you for that. Yes. That, that like single-minded pursuit of a worthy goal, one that you've deemed valuable which he went into that too yeah like just the mere act of of setting your gaze upon something you've chosen to look at something at the expense of everything else yeah. which means you put more value on that one thing and the most obvious example of that here is the purple belt we'll say yeah. you're, you're a blue belt you put your eyes on that purple look at melissa yeah she's been fucking dedicated dude these last mo few months yeah and it's been lower than a few months though. but she's been dialed in she's yes. been dialed in yes. and and like when she's not here training she's upset about it which is fucking great to hear as, awesome. a, as a husband and as an instructor and when she's she's not here she's home working she's doing crazy good workouts at home yeah and she's eating she's not eating sugar she's fucking serious about this man and uh she's like you know when i get my purple i think i might cry and i'm like you won't but it'd be awesome if you did and i don't want to say this to her and luckily she doesn't listen to any of my podcasts there's gonna be that that thing that I don't want to say that drop, but it is a letdown when you're done. You met that. You met. You got the goal. You met the you challenge. Got the, the you'll feel the satisfaction, and then there's what's called the denouement, yeah. which is the after the climax. It's like the it's like the adrenaline dump. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's like yeah. fuck. Yeah. Like I'm not in the grind anymore. But you are. That's the beautiful thing that's about jujitsu. That's the good thing about jujitsu. That's, that's the, what I wanted to get that's to. The beautiful thing about there's always the next mountain to climb. Yes. I posted. Uh, so today, four years ago today, uh, Tony and I got our brown belts, and it was a huge thing. It was a huge thing uh, for the academy for you. Your first brown belts. I mean, mm -hmm. we were your first purple belts as well, and it was a huge thing. And I posted up, and I'm like, four years ago, we got our brown belt. Last December, we got our black belts. It's just the beginning. Yeah. It's just the beginning. And I think a lot of that is mindset. And when you, your mindset, your mindset shapes you for any challenge, any obstacle, any ups, any downs. If you have the proper mindset, you get through anything. And I 100% agree with that. And I, and I was like, I never looked at black belt as the destination. It's just the beginning of the new journey. It's, it's for sure a goal. It's for sure a checkpoint. The minimal, the minimal requirement. It's the or minimum. Mi yeah, like my uncle always says, the the martial the, in martial arts, it's black belts. The minimum goal. It's yes. the minimum goal. Luckily, and we talk about this a lot, but it bears repeating. Jiu-jitsu doesn't fall victim to that same idea that karate does. Where in karate, the vast majority of people who earn their black belt stop. Yeah, it's like I graduated. I'm a black belt. Time to go on to the next. Three endeavor. years in a can, and that's it. Yeah, yeah, three and a half. But jujitsu definitely is is not like that. Yeah. It's it's very very rare that somebody earns a black belt and then they stop training, unless they're because, hurt. Or, well, yeah. dude, we we embody that what what we just talked about. Jujitsu, I say we, but jujitsu embodies that like just perfectly. He was speaking to jujitsu guys last night to us, but he was speaking to 
Everybody. Everybody's yeah. life has these elements, but I just don't know that it's more clear anywhere else than it is in jiu-jitsu. Yeah, bobblehead in front of us was not existing in the same that guy's plane neck, as us. I'm surprised his neck isn't huge. He should have huge, his traps. Yeah, man. His traps. But no, he's a pencil neck dweeb. Or maybe they put a, uh, I don't know, maybe a swivel joint into his neck and it just falls <laughs> to the side and he has to readjust. Yeah, I, I, I really look at we're survivalists in a different jungle. Yeah. You know, and... It prepares us for everything that's lurking. Well, I, I, I like that. So he said, when we're doing the Q&A, somebody asked the question about, uh, what was it, trying to be more assertive? What was the first question? Yeah, it was being more assertive. What was the first that question? That was the second one. The first one, maybe. I forget what the question was, but he said something that doesn't matter what the question was. It was, like, you look into the darkness look into oh the person was like look man i've i've listened to you i've shouldered per personal responsibility yeah. but i'm looking at my country and things look bleak yes how do i maintain optimism in such a, a shitty situation yeah. he's talking about like our country looks like it, it looks like it's going to shit i say it looks like it does because i gotta tell you dude if i wasn't on twitter or watching the news which i don't really do but i, I go on twitter I wouldn't know that the world is quote unquote going to shit. Like my day to day life has been pretty much incredible we for the last eight years. We live in a bubble. I just popped my elbow really Did fucking you? hard. How's that feel? Great. Now I'm satisfied and I'm let down. <laughs> um, we do live in a bubble, but I don't know that we like. Is Marlton the bubble or is just McHughBJJ the bubble? Because even when I'm out, like it's. I think it's mindset. Maybe. Maybe. I really, I, but I, also, I really the point being, that. I think maybe people like to. People are jockeying for attention. They're and, searching and for something. The way to get attention is yeah. to say crazy shit. Yes, they're searching for something. But anyway, he says, how do you, he's like, you got to look, he's like, the more you, you look towards the things that terrify you, the more you like lean into the thing, the darkness, more, the more you look into the darkness, like you look where, where everybody else looks away, which that's abdicating responsibility. Yeah. Look to the things that, that scare you. Look to the things that are falling apart instead of looking away. Yeah. And you you tend to see more light. Yes, like you have to look through the dark. And I know it sounds cliche, but there's something there's value there. You got to look through the darkness. The darkest points beyond that will be the light. Yeah, which is fucking incredible. Like think about what you do here. Bottom what, side control. Yeah, like we say all the time in the fundamentals curriculum. Whenever bottom side control week rolls around, we always well I, I don't know. Hopefully you guys carry on this tradition. I always bring it up. It's hell you know, week. Look, we always see. That might be a little bit uh, hyperbole. If I had Hyperbolic. big Doug on top, yeah, of you. yeah, that's not fun. But it no. isn't hell. Yeah. But uh, but what we always say is, look, we've all seen the memes and, and watched the videos and read the blogs about how jujitsu will will build all this character, make you a better person. And yeah, and like like sharpen your resolve and things like that. That doesn't happen on submissions from the guard week. No, it doesn't happen when like you're, you're drilling arm bars. In a certain sense it does because you suck and if you do something that you suck at you are sharpening yes. all those things but when you're stuck on bottom and you're fucking tired and you want to give up mm. and you know things are getting dark not literally but you know metaphorically maybe literally maybe you're gonna fucking pass out who knows but instead of like turning away tapping and and, and asking Take for an easy, easy way out. yeah you lean into it and you fucking fight your way through it i can use i have an example go ahead I think you remember uh, several years ago at Fight to Win, my first one. Des got to the mount on me. Yeah. And I could not get out. He's a big dude. Yeah. And I was like, I could sit here and I could just give up the submission or I could fight out. And it was, I think I was on, you were there. I think it was about yeah. six hours he was on top of me. Was six and a half. Six and a half hours. And I was like, I just dug deep and I said, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on my sword. So I throw my arm up, not for the submission, but to get him to start moving so I could come up. And I came up and I got the pass. Yeah. And went the feet and I almost threw up. But the point is, is being down there and the whole time I'm just like I'm dying. And I but I never thought about giving up. I never thought about giving him the easy submission because I was fighting all the submission attempts. Yeah. That quitting never entered my mind. No. And no matter how bad it was. And luckily, you've done enough over the you know the course of your life before that to have enough resolve. Yeah, 
enough trust in yourself oh, enough yeah. enough self-respect <laughs> not to do that but yeah. we always have to keep in mind like not everybody has 20 years of whatever like yeah. like uh military and and training and things like that like oh yeah the beautiful thing is you can come in here and on day one you're gonna do a minute of live training oh yeah right or two minutes of live training that's a great place to start you i love it i love it when you get guys that come in and you know you get the guy that comes in from oh i saw your somebody with your hoodie at the you know curves or la fitness wherever they work out they come in and they get through to two minutes and you kind of look at them and they're going holy yeah. shit dude did i tell you uh, some woman came up to me last night. Yeah, that, that was you guys awesome. That, yeah, that yeah. was cool. I was, so I was in line, and this woman turns around. You know, she's like, well, there, she didn't look like she'd be a student. Yeah. You know? And uh, she goes, are you are you the owner of McHugh Jiu-Jitsu? Yeah. I'm like, I am. Yeah. Like, this is fucking weird. It's crazy. Like, I get it when I'm at Whole Foods because it's in Marlton or yeah. like I'm at Laurel Acres. We're at the Met. Because half the kids there are my student. <laughs> yeah. And she goes, uh, She's like, my kids don't train with you, but you know, a woman I know from from like CrossFit, her kids do, and through that, like, I follow you guys, and I just, I love what you do. That's like, awesome. I love what you guys do. I was like, thanks. That yeah. fucking feels pretty it goddamn does. good. You're doing it, right. You thing. know what felt really good? It's when she said you're my co-host on. That. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what felt really good was uh, here I am. I'm at a Jordan Peterson lecture. Out of state, <laughs> which, you know, it's 20 minutes from my house. But, but still. But to be recognized, not because she saw me, like, on the UFC. She saw, she follows what we do for the fucking community. Here. Exactly. That was, that's, shows you. And then we go in and he's talking about rule four. And it's like, perfect. It really, it really was. It was, I'm telling you, when he brought it up and he, he really, he takes like a second and then he starts. Because he's so precise. And he's so... Like you. Yeah. Like a sharp yeah. <laughs> butter knife. He doesn't just spout nonsense. No. And hope that some of it can... I got old man Tourette's. enough I got to like, be understood. I got incoherent Tourette's. So one, another thing I love that he said, here's what we do wrong. When we're talking about like, I want to be happy. And that's not really what it is. Yeah. And it's not even like, uh, I want to be satisfied. Because we talk through that. But he said the mistake people make, and again, I'm paraphrasing, and this is my interpretation of what he said. I think this is what he meant. The b big mistake is like when people are, we'll, we'll just say unhappy, is they focus on trying to do things that will make them happier. And really what you should need to do is take away the things that are giving you negative emotion. So we try to seek yeah. more positive emotion when the reality is you need to, take stock and inventory of, of what your motivating factors and impulsivity well that's when that's he got another into weird, that that was yeah. another weird one we'll get into that but one more thing is take stock of where you are be self-aware enough to, to notice where those negative emotions are coming from start with what are those negative emotions is it anxiety is it fear is it anger is it sadness is it grief and then where are they coming from and then you work on that versus yeah. what we've kind of all been conditioned to do, which I, I guess makes sense. I, maybe, I don't know, but it just seems like most people do this is let me go do something that's going to make me feel good. Let, some, me, let me seek out positive emotion. The problem is that's, that's fucking fleeting. Yeah. And the negative emotion is still going to be there. And the negative emotion is more powerful. Yeah. Right? That's what he brought it up. And, it's, and, and I'll just use a simple example. You're Best Buy. You're like, man, oh, man, I could use that 75-inch TV. And you buy it and you bring it home, and then you're like, it's just a TV. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he was talking about happiness. Yeah. And the, and the weird thing is he was talking about your different iterations of you, and we talk about this all the time. All the time. We talk, And that's one of the things about jiu-jitsu. I use this term. When, I, when I'm talking about get, trying to get somebody to come in, it's invest in yourself. Yeah. Learn to invest in yourself. And you have to learn it. You have to learn it. Because more often than not, the only person you're really cognizant of is you today. Yeah. Yes. But he's like, he's like every single day is a new you. And we all kind of know that. He's like humans are the only animal that we know of that, that can think of themselves in the future. They're the only ones who know yeah. that you, you know you're going to get old and you're going to die. So... 
the key is you want to be able to invest in that person of that version of you in the future. But that means you got to learn how to play well with others. Yeah. Because that version of you in the future is somebody different. I wanted to bring that up. Bring it up. When he brought up uh, uh, God Saad, Jad Saad, and his research on the rats. Mm -hmm. And play. Just just on the surface, it goes, what do I want to hear about rats for? But it talks about not so much the intelligence, but how it works. And you had the big rat and you had the little rat and the big rat beats up on the little rat, but the little rat always goes back to the big rat. So here's why though. And he, and and he dives into it. It's, it's awesome. Only, it's only under these circumstances. Yes. So, so this huge revolutionary finding was that, you know, everything, all like mammals play, yeah. right? And rats play. Yeah. And he said that like a smaller rat will, will go up to a, like a 10% larger rat and they'll play. And the way they play, it looks like jujitsu. They'll wrestle around until yep. the bigger one pins the little one, which of course with 10% extra body weight, he could do it every single time. Yes. But he'll, the little rat will still go back. It'll be a little more subservient, like so as not to get hurt, but he'll, he'll initiate the play. Yes. As long as 30% of the time, the he big rat him lets him win. Yes. Lets him win. 30% of the time. And what that tells us is that across the board, and he's like, that means this, this is huge because that means it's fundamental. Yes. There has to be reciprocity yes. in play. And play is really just preparing for like the grander game of life. Exactly. It's practicing for life. But if there's not reciprocity, yeah. they won't engage. That is jujitsu. It's jujitsu. Yeah. If there's no, if you go and you roll with somebody and all they want to do is beat the shit out of you it's not fun no you're not gonna want to go back i mean one you're gonna no, lose a tr- it's one a, training partner it's not as it's not that simple it's no. not that simple because here's why because you can look in in a sense bear with me here you can look at the whole training floor say there's like 40 people as one organism yeah i think especially with like the rank system so if there's like a, a purple belt when he trains with me i don't think i need to let him win 30 percent of the time like i can smash him but I think in that training session, he needs to win 30% of the time. Yes. Meaning, That's go, what I he mean. goes with a blue belt next. Okay. You know. You could have literally that as a whole. I think. Yeah. Because I'm trying to think. I don't know that I for sure, for sure, don't get submitted 30% of the time. No. And I'm not even talking about submissions. I'm talking position. Yeah, dude. You're right. I'm like I don't. If somebody's, way, if somebody's much smaller than me, I do acquiesce yeah. a lot. And even if, I, if it's not obvious to them. It's obvious to me. Yeah, because there's times where I'll be training with somebody and, you know, you could tell they're about to have a <laughs> yeah. stroke out because they can't breathe. I'm like, yeah, you breathe, hollow out, you breathe. hollow out your hips a little bit. Yeah, you, you let them get their guard the pressure. You get the little wins go a long way. Yeah. You know, it goes a long way. And you're also building, you're building that, that trust in each other, you know? So I don't know if, if this came to your mind, but if you remember our last podcast, we talked about don't look up. Yeah. And like everybody's own personal <laughs> meteorites yeah. coming in. And when he's talking about the rats, he talked about it because you got to learn how to play nice with other people. Yes. Because also in that same vein, your future you is somebody else. It's, it might as well be a fucking stranger because yeah. you don't know that you person. Don't know. You know for sure in five years that version of you is not going to be almost anything like the version that you are now. So you have to learn how to play well well with others, and that way you can learn how to play well with your future self. But then he's like, imagine a graph. You know, like, there are people who only favor their current self, meaning they make very short-term decisions. And there's some people who are better at projecting out to the future, but you also have to understand, over time, things diminish. And the obvious one is, do you want fifty dollars today? Yeah, that was. Or do you awesome. want a hundred thousand dollars two hundred years from now? Yeah. Why not the the more money? Because you're gonna be fucking dead. You're not gonna be here. But there is a point on that that timeline where maybe ten years from now. Yeah. Do you want Do you want ten grand ten years from now, or do you want a hundred dollars today? Then it's like, oh shit. But you're still gambling. But, well, you are. Yeah. You are because your personal meteorite might be fucking waiting around exactly. the corner. Exactly. You don't know. Um. So that's the dance. There's no obvious answers. Everybody has to have their own relationship with the future and relationship with themselves. That's why when we're talking about that meteorite coming, imagine that you only have 10 years. Imagine you have 12 years. Imagine you have one year, right? Yeah. You gotta gotta have some sort of 
vision for that future self. You have to invest in that future self. Oh yeah. Right? But not at not at the complete expense, uh, expense of today. Yeah. That's why, dude, that's why I love training because it's so much fun in the moment. Yeah. And whatever you do today, it's benefiting the future. <laughs> the future, yeah. Like you're getting the best of both worlds. Yes. The only thing might be I probably won't be able to play the violin in 10 years. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. You know, like I, I'm i going to have a fucking mangle. You might want to start playing that. Yeah. I played like, when I, I was a kid. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I could tell you just as a, a horrible guitarist, it doesn't get any easier. No. Especially after a heavy gee week, you know? Yeah. A heavy week of playing a lot of lapel. My hands hurt. My hands hurt. And it's not an easy thing. But you know what? I know in the end uh, that's going to be a comfy wheelchair. And uh, <laughs> no, yeah. I know, in the end, I'm just so much better than I am if I didn't have this in there. Yeah. All around. All around. Yeah, dude, what a gift. What a gift Jordan Pearson is and what a gift jujitsu. That's why I think anytime I see somebody come in and they sign up, I just feel like going, I just wish I could just give you like a map. It's just a short You want to touch them on the shoulder and give them just a quick glimpse of what the they five years can be. Yeah. You're getting, you're a purple belt. You're, you're, all of a sudden you're not in here drowning. All of a sudden you're looking around going, all right, look look how far I've come. I'm halfway up the mountain. I'm halfway up the mountain. Look, man, humans, and he said this, humans are, are, are maybe, I, I think, the only creature that, 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 that can that. see themselves across a timeline. Yeah. So we all have this understanding that, like, across five years, a lot's going to happen, and we're going to be somebody completely different. Like, we can see the future. Doesn't that make you want to do everything you can? To be there. To be, like... The future's going to be here. Yeah. Don't you want to be somebody you, you respect and love and admire and when that day comes? Oh, yeah. And you won't. Here's the thing. You won't, right? Because the goal is always, re- like Jordan Pearson says, the goal is always receding. Why? Because the closer you get to it, the more capable you are. Yeah. So your goal becomes more Gets grand. pushed out. Which is a great thing. Why? Yes. Because there's not that fucking instant satisfaction yes, place where exactly. we're just sitting there with twiddling our thumbs. Yeah, it's a beautiful fucking place, man. The, like with jujitsu, you might be thinking like, I don't know, maybe you don't think this, but I'm a two stripe black belt. You know, I'm 190 pounds. I'm still like in the prime of my physicality. I do pretty damn well on the mat, right? Like I get some challenging roles, of course, and you know, battle will take my back, but I do pretty damn well. Yeah. There's nobody who really threatens me bad so you might think so how does any of this apply to you because there's so much to jujitsu yeah that i can challenge myself in a room full of white belts yes i can i can decide the rules of the game that i'm going to go by i could set the parameters with which under which i will de- deem myself successful yes. meaning today i'm only going to do guillotines with my left hand yeah or today like i'm only going to recover my guard from the mount. I'm going to let people mount me. Like yeah. there's a million iterations of that game. Yes. Never ends. It never ends. That's the beauty of it. Yeah. And and I, man, I, I love doing that. And your training partners keep getting better. Yes. Because you keep getting you make older. make each other better. That's what's so good. You, 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 have, you have a direct impact on the people to the left, right, in front, and behind you. You can really affect somebody in such a positive way. Yeah. And now... Two years from now, four years from now. Well, he says, he says, take aim. Take aim. Yeah. Why? Because the only way to hit a target is if you aim at if it. If you aim at it. You can't close your eyes and just shoot how, blindly. How do you know if you can hit a target or not if you don't aim at it? Yep. Take aim and take the you shot. You can't be a defeatist. You can't just go, ah, I just, that, oh, and this really pisses me off. You know, I want to get in shape before I come. What are you talking about? That's an excuse not to get on. Yeah. Dude, life is hard. It life is, is hard for people. <clears throat> life is not easy. If life was easy, it wouldn't be worth it. No. But you know what? You also you got to do stuff. You got to do stuff. You I, I, and I I'd like to keep it simple like that. You just got to do stuff. There you go. You got to take that challenge. Do stuff. Do stuff. It's my. I'm gonna make sweaters. That's what Jordan Peterson. He should have come out onto the stage last night and just gone. Ah, do stuff. Do stuff and drop the <laughs> mic and walk off. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. No, I I literally. And like I said, just simple. Just do stuff. Challenge yourself. Another thing is, you've heard me say this before, take care of the days 
and the years take care of themselves. Exactly. So that's from Dave Kovar. He didn't invent that, but that's who introduced me to that, that phrase. It and works. Jordan Pearson ended with the idea of do the arithmetic. Do the arithmetic. So sit down. Is and, that like math? Yes. Sit down and think about each part of your day. The thing, not that, not like he, and he did it in, this, in the context of when I sit down with my clients. And I'm like, you know, tell me about your life. I don't want to hear about your fucking vacation. Yeah. I don't want to hear about that one time. Tell me about the the minutia, the the drudgery, the day in day out aspects of your life. Yeah. Why? And he's like, think about like meals. You know, you eat three meals a day. Generally, it's you know, an hour. like an hour each time or whatever. And then he extrapolates that across a week to a month to a year to your lifetime. He says one fifth, one fifth of your waking hours are meal time. Yeah. So if you're not doing it he's, and he goes get it right. Yeah. You know? And then he talks about coming home from work and getting ready to go to work. Like coming and going. And yeah. it's like maybe it's 10 minutes a day and then he extra extrapolates that out Break across it your lifetime. It's 150th of your life. Yeah. Get it right. So now you can see what I'm getting at. Yeah. When he, he broke every that down, day, it was awesome. Yeah, I every really day, Sorry. you have to do the arithmetic. So another example would be we all get these terrible reminders from our phone every Sunday. You spent, your screen time went up 5%. Your yeah. screen time went down 7%. You spent an average of three and a half hours on your phone every day. This And might as well say you spent an hour, an average of four hours on your phone every Wasting day this week, you piece of shit. Although I have to give myself credit because I'm reading a book on my phone. so Right, I know. And I, I hope it counts podcast time. If not, I'm also a piece of shit. <laughs> but uh, point being, get it right. Yeah. Get it right, man. Like, you get seven days in the week. If you're training four times a week, you're getting it right. Yeah. You're getting it right. Because think about, think about the things that have to happen before you go to train and the things that always happen afterward. Think about like what your mindset's like before, how your body feels after. Yeah, that's covering such an expanse. You're getting it right by default. Yeah, and there's to just go beyond that. I mean, we could use like last night for an example. I think you and I both came back from the event and just started expand using more well, time. I sat, I sat on the couch with Melissa. We talked for like an hour. I was yeah. up late, dude. She she was loving it. She was very interested. So I, I went down to my computer. I started. Trying to research, reading more, looking into more of the just, looking at just pictures. Talks. I was, I had my finger paints out. I was <laughs> finger paint. No, I was looking at the different Jordan B. B. Peterson stuff, and it, it was awesome. And I sent you the, uh, the 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 Twitter shot from his uh, Twitter feed. What do they do? They just that was a summary that he put up. Yeah, that was uh, from yesterday morning. Maybe for those that exact reason, so people who went can take a look. Yes. Let's see. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Happiness, technically speaking. Negative and positive emotion. Happiness and impulsivity. Future discounting. Neither purpose nor ethic. You don't have to read all this, all dude. Right. Nobody knows what the fuck you're talking Me about. Me winning isn't. You do. Right at the bottom. Yeah, dude. I think I, do I, stuff. Um, I think I nailed all these. You did. Holy shit. Look at that. My brain actually is working pretty good. The one thing I didn't talk about that I would like to very quickly is is the study of um, happiness. So happiness is, you know, obviously a positive emotion. And he, he brought up like the, the very extreme example of somebody who's manic, somebody who's manic. And we, we all know people like this. They're like super high highs and super low lows. Yes. And when they're at that high high, they are so excited yes. and enthusiastic and bubbly. And they've got a million plans and they're all going to work out every single one, but they're, they've got not enough time in the, in the world to, to get anything that nothing happens. It's yeah. too much. They've got zero, zero, zero ability to, sh to future pace, to, to think about tomorrow, those future iterations yes. of themselves. Right. And then he talks about like a two year old. A two-year-old, they're so happy, they're so enthusiastic, but they're impulsive. Yeah, they're impulsive. They don't, they can't think of like making the right decision. That's why they just want to eat fucking candy all day <laughs> and play. Yes. Um, but he said, like, you know, this the paperwork, sh the papers show. New student. Yep. There we go. Somebody's making a good fucking decision. Good for you, man. Um, 
the the higher up on that scale of of happiness, quote unquote, you go, positive emotion like enthusiasm, the more um, present focused you are. Yeah. The less you can, the more impulsive you. That's the word. The more impulsive you become. And yeah. the funny thing is, like I was talking to Matakis, I'm like, he brought up happiness, like he, he like he's trying to help people. He said, I think he said he wants to help people like get happy. And I'm like, I'm not fucking happy. I wouldn't call myself a happy. Like, would you say I'm a happy guy? You're content. Yeah, well, here's the thing. And I was so happy to hear. I wanted to, like, stand up, and Chris was, like, sitting up behind us. I wanted to be like, see? (laughs) I'm not, like, I wouldn't call myself a happy guy. I'm not bubbly. I'm enthusiastic about things I'm enthusiastic about. Yeah. But I'm I'm focused. I'm, I'm, I'm not content. I'm not content. I'm driven to pursue my my very specific goals mm-hmm. um i'm like i'm obsessed with moving forward yeah. i'm obsessed with moving forward and it's in that act of moving forward that i guess you could say i'm quote unquote happy but like we talked about happy's the wrong word yeah i have moments of happy like in the backyard when my daughters are on the swings yeah. i'm happy yes but i don't think happy is a mode of being no it's not. i don't think it's a sustainable mode of being and we do ourselves a disservice when we when we say that, right? And I'm not saying that I only live in the future. It's just I I, I pursue things. I, I pursue mastery. I pursue growth. And when I do that, I have positive emotions. And when... The good juices. Yeah, and when negative emotions come up, I can deal with them because I'm self-aware because of all the other things. Yeah, and that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, like my inbox is not my actual inbox. <laughs> I showed you this before, right? Let's see what I got. I've got 57 unread text messages yeah. and 30,000 unread emails and 16 unlistened to voicemails. I'm not, you know, yeah. my inbox is fucking swamped. It's disgusting. I have a 1,052 unanswered text messages. Good for you, dude. You got me beat. So... Melissa, I mean, I only clear mine That's out. proof right there. Yeah. I only clear mine out when I need space on my phone, but Melissa's email inbox is zero. She's yeah. inbox zero. But, and she would admit, when negative emotions come in, she, there's more of them. Her, I, we'll say like her mental state when she's swamped resembles my inbox. So it's hard. How is she going to pick which one? Yeah. She doesn't really, like it's hard to list and it's hard to mitigate and, my mental inbox is like her Gmail. Yeah. It's fucking empty. Yeah. So when when a negative one comes in, oh, all right, I, I can click the one, yeah. open it, read it, delete it, and I'm back to zero. Yeah, I, I that's something that I've worked diligently uh, for a very very long time. Through you know, I mean, look, some pretty shitty experiences, but I always try to. F- find uh, I don't want to say happiness but peace yeah I like to find peace in yeah, the but storm. you can't have peace unless you get rid of those negative exactly emotions. and that's what I'm saying I, I I have found ways that work for me to process them out I'm like okay all right so I'm a shit bag like he said um confrontation confrontation averted is confrontation multiplied yeah Glenn <laughs> Yeah, like confrontation ignored is confrontation multiplied. He's like, yeah. I'm not. I hate confrontation as most people do. Some yeah. people like it, but and most about most that. personality traits don't like confrontation. Like I don't like it, but like him, I've learned like this tattoo: kill the monster when it's small, dude. Yeah. Kill the monster when it's small. And when you're dealing with negative emotions and shit that's just overwhelming you, yeah. you you learn to address it immediately. Like with the school. If you let shit build up, yeah, it just everything becomes a monster of a problem that you don't. It was unnecessary, yeah. But if there's an issue, snowballs. You fucking nip it in the bud. Yep. You yes. nip it in the bud before it blooms. I used to think it was nipping in the butt. It's the bud. Yeah, I mean, you know, nip it in the butt like you're like, like a, a dog. dog biting it, like exactly. the copper tone dog biting the baby's butt. Yeah, but I was wrong. Yeah. All right, happen. dude. We All threw right. a lot of our, at our dear listeners today. I can, again, I would have to say that if you get the opportunity, 
to go see Mr. Peterson. Yeah, get on it, dude. Do it. Listen, read. Well, you can go to his audiobook. You can go to his podcast, his original tour from a few years ago. Yeah. They're all recorded. They're on there. They're incredible. I'm hoping ours gets up there. I would love it. I it's hear it's it good again. to have him back, man. I, can, I absolutely want to hear it. I, It's something that I would listen to over. I was hoping some dipshit was recording it last night, yeah. posted it up, because I literally would listen to it over and over and over again because the bobblehead in front of me kind of distracted me at times. I got most of it, but in between thoughts of elbowing somebody in the back <laughs> of the head or kneeing them in the face, I uh, I got a lot out of it. and Enough that I wanted more. And and that's that's I mean that's pretty much yeah it was good I'm I'm shocked how much I retained because he's talking I'm like I got to remember this one I got to remember this. and then I'm like oh shit it's been an hour and a half I can't, I'm not gonna retain any yeah. of this I wanted to take notes but I would have lost no you can't it helps to talk through it yeah. like I talked through a little bit last night I slept on it which naps uh, non sleep deep rest and of course sleeping at night. That's when you uh, process the information and yeah. you actually learn. You don't learn in the moment. You learn when you sleep and rest. I didn't sleep well. I woke night. up and I had a pretty good recall, dude. I'm, I'm happy about that. I, uh, I had a lot. I took so much in from last night that I thought all night long. So I didn't have a, uh, I didn't have a great sleep, but it got me to process. So because I didn't have anyone to talk with it about over. So I process it myself until today till I get to talk to with you and then Tony beforehand it was just un unbelievable A plus evening yeah it was great alright man good talk good talk see you on the mat hey the batteries worked alright <laughs> alright guys take see care see you guys